hey, 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 we are back with season two, and we gonna make it do what it do. This is episode one of Black Girls Are Not Rocks, but ladies, you know we rock. We ended last season talking about what do the lonely do at Christmas time. We are in a whole new year with a whole new mindset. And today I want to help you shed some of that weight that you are dealing with. Because God knows I had, oh my goodness. I had to let God have his way. And that's when things start happening. And I stopped worrying about everybody else. That's when I began to have some freedom. I had shame, guilt, condemnation pulling me down. Seemed like everywhere I was turning, it was something, something popping up that was holding me down that I didn't want to talk about. But guess what, ladies? Because I had time to take my hyenas, I was able to talk about the most underrated weapon of the enemy. I mean, shame is underrated. We think that we got these things licked and we ain't got nothing licked. We sitting around here thinking we free and we ain't free. We still walking around on the plantation. So let's talk about today. I want to help you run through some things about shame. I'm going to do a little better job next week about it. But this week, we're going to just try to get all of that stuff out. So we could do exactly what the song say. And let God. Let go. And let God. Let go. And let God. We want to let God have his way. And take off all of those layers of worry. Shame. Guilt. Condemnation. Right? We want to be able to be able to say, you know what? I'm done with it. So let's start talking about some of these things that are going on with us right now. Shame is one of the most underrated and yet powerful weapons that the enemy, it just uses, I mean, against the children of God. We are always walking around here in shame and guilt. Often it even melts in our thought lives and it lives and encapsulates us, right? It just takes over our thought life. And then we start looking at it through the lens in which we see the world. And then it dictates our decisions. And then guess what? It also holds us captive to secret. Secret sin. Shame starts holding us captive to our secret sins. We all have them. Some of us know them and some of us are held down because we won't bring them to the forefront to deal with them. We're trying to figure out what is it that I'm trying to forget so hard that I didn't actually forgot it. Some things we push to the back of our memory. But believe me, they're still there. That's that secret doorway where we have to try to open it to see what's behind door number three. What is holding me back from walking into my freedom? What what is the problem? So if you're wondering if the force of shame has 
has even in subconscious ways slipped in and begun to influence your inner world? Your answer is probably yes. Shame starts dictating our decisions and it holds us captive to, to the ways that we see the world. Whew. I'm going to tell you right now, I would love to say, no, I, I, I don't. I don't think I have anything else left in me to talk about. I think I'm pretty free and um, I, 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 I got God and it's wonderful and I don't have to worry about it. But I'm going to tell you something. Don't make that mistake. Do yourself, uh, uh, do yourself a favor. Stop defending your behaviors and minimizing shame's impact or the anxiety and scrambling to do whatever it takes You must make the decision to do whatever it takes to help those embarrassment, embarrassing moments go away. You want them to just disappear in the thin air. And God is saying, no, we need to deal with this, right? But shame has you captive when God is just trying to show you how to walk out of that devil's camp. How to walk away. Have you ever felt like everyone is against you and that you're not as good as others? Or that no matter how hard you try, you can't do anything right? Have you ever heard that little voice in your head say, don't do it. Nobody likes you. How about God don't love you? I mean... He really knows everything already about me. Why do I have to tell anybody? Or why do I have to feel, you know, why do I have to talk about this? If the answer is yes to any of these statements, it's likely that shame is speaking to you. See, let's talk about what is is shame and what is conviction. Because conviction is from God. Shame is from Satan. So, a little biblical background. When Adam and Eve first sinned in the Garden of of Eden, conviction was an inappropriate symptom for their disobedience. That's right. Conviction is built into our subconscious and in our conscious to let us know when we have done something that threatens our connection with God. In other words, conviction is actually a good thing. As it helps us protect our intimacy with the Father. It's like a warning light on a car dash that lets you know when something needs attention before the engine ignites and inevitably blows up. Conviction says, you did something wrong. Like when the Apostle Paul said to himself, we all have sinned. He said in Romans 3 and 23, he said, we all have sinned. And it speaks to something you've done that you can repent that you can repent from in order to find true connection again. But guess what? <clears throat> we act like it ain't there. So shame goes further. It speaks to who you are. Shame takes you to a place of uh, uh, where Satan wants to keep bringing it up in your face and we go right there. See, yet shame goes further. It speaks to who you are. Not who the Father is that dwells inside of you. 
So let's talk about <laughs> shame is a core, even subconscious belief of unworthiness. It says you are wrong. You are bad. You are never going to be good enough. So you keep going on saying, I'm never going to stop this. I'm never going to stop that. This is just who I am. And you start thinking that you can never walk out of that gate and be free. You start thinking that this is the person that you must supposed to be because why do I keep sinning? Why do I keep falling? What is the problem? Why everybody else looks like they're able to walk this thing out? Why look like everybody else got this thing <clears throat> together? Why looks like everybody else know how to do uh, this, but I'm just so slow and dumb and I just can't get it right. So let's talk about what if you're not perfect? Shame always seeks to seduce its prey into perfectionism. When we listen to shame, we will never feel secure in our identity. We will always need to do more to prove that we are okay. While never actually appeasing shame's appetite for approval. The pursuit of feeling worthy of being better, more successful, thinner, smarter, cuter, wealthier, more accomplished, or even in good business uh, faith is an attempt at cultivating a godly sense of worthiness. See, when you are in pursuit of feeling, feeling worthy of being bigger and better and more successful than anyone, <clears throat> guess what? It's a fruitful, an attempt at cultivating a godly sense of worthiness. The Apostle Paul says it like this in Ephesians 2 and 10. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Ain't that amazing? Even before we were born, God already it put inside of us who, what, where, and how we would get something done for his good. That means you cannot earn worthiness. You are already worthy. We are worthy of God's love because of his grace. Nothing more, nothing less. <clears throat> Excuse me. Additionally, we were God's treasure before we ever became Christians. Treasures <laughs> in clay jars. We were already his treasures. See, Christian Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were yet still sinners, lost and ungodly. Romans 5 and 8 says it, when God created Adam and Eve, he said that they were good. They had worth as his treasures. There was nothing he wanted us to do except walk in the good that he created in us. But we have to learn how to let go and let God. Shame, however, attacks your identity and your destiny. (laughs) 
So if we're wondering why we're struggling on being this person that we want to become, shame often mocks us and begs us to question ourselves. Who do you think you are? How you think you going to do that? What you think you got that they ain't got? See, this is the devil's attempt to convince you that you do not have a supernatural identity as children of God. If the accuser can make his case and win, then he can derail us from our divine destiny. When Jesus was baptized, he heard the father say, this is my son. Identity. Interestingly, Jesus did not preach a message, heal a sick person, or prophesy until he had heard (laughs) his true identity. Jesus did not preach, heal, deliver until he knew who he was. He had the stamp of approval on him. He said, this is my son in which I am pleased. Go back and read it for yourself now. I ain't going to try to convince you. We can only fulfill our supernatural destiny to to the degree that we believe our supernatural identity. Oh, girl, this is so good to me. We can't fulfill nothing until we know who we are. That's why we can't fall asleep. That's why we can't get no rest. Because we run around here chasing identity. That is not us. We trying to figure this thing out. But as soon as we let go and we let God. That's when that thing start happening. Oh my God. My gracious, my gracious, my gracious. When... We know we cannot fulfill our supernatural destiny to the degree that we believe in our own supernatural identity. See, after his baptism, remember, Jesus went to John the Baptist and told him to baptize him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Jesus was led out into the desert right after that to be tempted by the devil. And both times, the devil assaulted Jesus' identity with challenges. If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And then, if you are the son of God, jump off the temple's roof. That's in Luke 4, by the way. See, the devil was attempted to tempt Jesus into performing to prove his identity because he knew if Jesus took the challenge, it would demonstrate that he did not really know who he was. When people challenges challenge our identity, hmm, wait a minute, y'all. I had to breathe that in. We running around here trying to prove to other people who we are. Because we don't know who we are. When you are rested and assured in who you are, you don't have to prove it. You just walk in it. You don't have to answer nothing. You don't have to have an answer for nobody because guess what? He said, for it is written. I know who I am. 
sucker. I know exactly who I am. Mm-mm-mm. See, if we take these silly challenges and we challenge ourselves with shame, it would only demonstrate that we really don't know who we are. Moreover, that would huh, we would have spent we would spend the rest of our lives and Jesus would have spent the rest of his life proving his identity over and over and over and over and over. What I'm trying to get at, what you what you talking about, Coach P? Is that knowing your true identity in God prevents performance for approval. You don't have to pro- you don't have to approve and, and perform for nobody. So let's talk about some of the six ways to silence the voice of shame. I want to help you and then I'm going to leave y'all alone. Number one, if you find yourself in a constant struggle to prove that, oh, I'm going to hang these in my bathroom. Prove that you are good to perform for acceptance and to portray your perfection to the world. Try these things right here. I'm going to give you six of them. These keys are for getting free from the shackles of shame. Number one, write it down. Learn how to recognize God's voice from the devil's voice. Ask yourself. I'm always asking myself. It's what I'm hearing, the truth or a lie. God's word don't lie. Try writing down all the time shame speaks to you during the day. And you may be surprised how often shame is speaking. Now, you know, I love that. Number two, learn how to be vulnerable. Shame loves secrecy. Yes, it does. I got this. I'm all right. I'm good. Me and God good. He already talked to him. I already talked to him. God got me. Yeah, that's 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 us. Right? So we stay secrecy and secrecy. However, the truth will set us free. It will make us free. Being open and honest requires great risk, but also reaps great rewards. Begin with yourself, God, and then reach out to someone who can give you good feedback. Telling someone that you have been listening to, um, that you have been listening to shame will release you from the power of secrecy and the silence of shame. Girl, the devil don't like when somebody know he loves to isolate. He loves to isolate you so that you don't have to tell nobody about what you was going through or what you've been through. Number three, learn to recognize your feelings. Empathy is the antidote to shame. When we learn to discern and identify our feelings and the feelings of others, it increases a pathway to finding out what we need from God, others, and ourselves. So just ask yourself, what am I feeling right now? What do I need? Right? That's what you need to do. That's number three. Number four, learn to take every thought captive. Ooh, I just saw myself snatching it down with a rodeo rope. Woof. Holding on to that word and wrestling with it until I figure out whose thoughts is them. Hold on. Wait a minute. Oh, these from God. Let it go. Let it go. 
Let go and let God. Let him have his way up there. Okay, God, I'm going to release that thing. Open that rope on up. But when it's from the devil, you wrestle with that thing. Nah, uh-uh, you ain't going in there. Uh-uh, I don't want to hear what you got to say. Get on back from Pinson Hill from where you came. Get on rodeo and wrestle with that word and round it up and kick it out your mindset. For it is written. And you find that good word that you're going to put on that thing. Right? So he said, learn to take the captive, take that thought captive. It's normal to be tempted to believe and act in negative, hurtful, and dysfunctional ways in response to the shame messages spoken to our spirit. Shame is silence when we take ownership of our mistakes and accept our limitations and deficiencies, as well as interpret other people's motives correctly. Hmm. Take responsibility in submitting shaming thoughts and feelings to become obedient to Christ's perspective. That's right. Put that thing in Christ's perspective. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5 can help you with that. Number five. Ooh, I just got through wrestling with a word. Learn how to listen through the ears of faith. Ask yourself. What does God want to say to me about my identity right now? What does he think about me? Additionally, begin reading scripture from the perspective that God is for you and that you are a good man and you are a good woman and that you are a saint saved by grace and overcomer and you are the apple of his eye. I like that number five. Mm-hmm. I'm a, ooh, I'm need to paste these. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And number six, learn to be grateful. The fact is that you are wonderfully made. Ooh, my favorite scripture. Psalms 139, 14. Being grateful for how God has made you and all of your limitations and imperfections will help you replace shame with acceptance and love. Every time you hear shame messages left on your mental voicemail, erase them with gratitude. Thankfulness prepares the way for breakthrough. I have this thing that I call catch it, check it, and change it. Whenever I know a word is not from God, I I catch it. And I say, no, that's not true. I check it against the word. Is it true? Is it factual? Am I ugly? Is my skin ugly? Is my thoughts ugly? Are my ways ugly? Or the way I'm looking at a situation, am I downing someone? Am I being mean? Right? And then guess what I do? I check it against the word of God. And then I change it to something so amazing. And even if I'm not there yet, I will be there. I'm on my way there. Because I've changed my mindset. I put in place the things that I want for my life. And you can too. So guess what? Whenever you get to that point where you don't know what shame is, 
versus the conviction of God. Because he said it was good that I was afflicted. He also says that in Hebrews, he said, I, I, I chastise those whom I love. And I love when he chastises me just like a mother and father should when they want the best for you. And I know sometimes it feels like it's not chastisement, like it's a punishment. But I want you to know when you let go and you let God, that be the best, the best moments of your life. Because that's when things start happening. That's when life is good and love is pure. And that's when you can keep going. So I want you to keep going. Keep growing. And continue glowing. This is season two of Black Girls Are Not Rocks. But we rock. Keep rocking. God bless you. See you next week. Let God have his way. That's when. Mm, yes, let it happen. Let go of the shame. Let go of the guilt. And let go of the pain. Good night, everyone. God bless you.